Oh, we bless you in this house today, God. What a great God we serve. What a great God. Tremendous. Thankful to be in the house of the Lord. And it's been a great weekend. We were able to be in a, a just a great conference down in McDonough, Georgia this weekend. And I tell you, just very encouraging and just uh, wonderful to see God still just doing signs and wonders and miracles and blessing people and touching people. And, um, you know, I, something Brother uh, Huntley said on Friday night, he said this year would be a year of plenty for the churches. going to be plenty of things happening for the churches in this year. And uh, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, we can have that expectation in God. He's going to come through. God will fulfill if we fulfill. Ain't that right? God will take care of us. So... While you're standing, one verse of Scripture this morning, Luke 17 and 26, and we'll continue. Uh, Last week, uh, we started this series, Hope for the Last Days, and um, we talked last week about uh, the certainty of His coming. Sum up last week's lesson, Jesus is coming back. That's all it takes, one sentence. Jesus is coming back because he said he would. And so we've got to go ahead. That gives us hope in this last day. Uh, Luke 17 and 26 says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also, or so shall it be also, in the days of the Son of Man. And so today our, our lesson title is, As in the Days. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Jesus, thank you for your word, for your promises. And I know that even in these times of uncertainty that we have hope in you. Lord, you have promised us, Lord, over and over that you would take care of us and watch over us. And we are believing that today with everything that's in us. Lord, bless the preaching of the word today. Let it be good to us, Lord. Let it feed us and strengthen us and prepare us. Lord, we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord another hand clap before you're seated. What a great God. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. You can be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Glad to be here. Appreciate all of our visitors that are with us this morning. Let's give them a hand before we get started. Appreciate our visitors being with us today. God bless you. Hope for the last days. So last week we talked about him coming back, the certainty of his return. And then uh, we today talk about as it was in the days of Noah. The idea being that if it is going to be as it was in the days of Noah, God will do now what he did then. And he directed uh, Noah and his family to salvation. And he will direct his church to the promise of salvation. There was something that Noah would have to do to protect his family and uh, to get through it. I've always uh, preached that and, and, and made that statement that if people say, well, how do, how do we know how to get through the last days? I said, look and see what Noah did. Because if, you, if he did all that the Lord commanded, it saved him and his household. It will save you and your household if you do all that he has commanded in this last day. And so... Uh, there's no doubt about it that um, there's one thing for certain though this is we cannot spend time trying to figure out something that Jesus said cannot be found out. Not you or I or no one standing on this earth 
alive now or yet to be born will ever be able to pinpoint the exact day of the return of the Lord. So that's something you can check off the list and not waste your time trying to figure out that he will be back on this day at this hour. Jesus said, no man knoweth the hour of my return. And so it will never, ever be figured out. God knows it, and that's all that needs to know it. What we have to know is uh, the signs of the time so we can be preparing ourselves to be ready on that great day. When you read the statements that Jesus made uh, in Luke chapter 17, uh, uh, he, he went on to say that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. He said they did eat. They drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. When you read what Jesus said there, you see life really as normal because that's what goes on today. People eat, and they're drinking, they're, they're living, they're planting fields, they're harvesting, they're, they're marrying and giving in marriage. They're, it's just life is normal. They're building, selling, doing, working, playing, whatever. People are just going about their ways, living life. And so when you read what Jesus said, if all you read was the New Testament, you would have no idea about how bad it was in the days of Noah or in the days of Lot. That's why it's so important. You can't just hang on to the New Testament and say, that's all I need. Uh, you, to get an understanding, you need to see what the Scripture says about those days. And so when you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll see this uh, little uh, tale about those days. It says in Genesis 6 that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. This is the days of Noah. It was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him at his heart. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So it wasn't uh, just life as normal and all kind of good things were happening. It was life where there was wickedness continually in the earth. And if we can't see that today, it's, it's just like it was in the days of Noah, hand in hand with people living and dying and working and marrying and doing all the things that they do. There is great evil and wickedness in this earth today. This world is bent on doing everything they can to be as far away from God as possible. But just like it was in that day, there was somebody and some person that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God knows how to tell the difference between those that are his and those that are not. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis 6 and 8, it, it lets us know that God uh, saw the lifestyle that Noah was living. He was not living like the rest of the world. Let me tell you, it is possible in this day and hour to live in such a way that you will find grace in the eyes of the Lord. It is not a time where we can just say, well, everybody's doing it. That's just the new way. That's just the way it is in this century. Hey, I'm not worried about how it is in this century. I'm worried what God says about me being ready to meet him when he comes. 
I can't just go along with the latest trend. That will not save me. What saved Noah was the Word of God. Before he ever had an ark, it was the Word. People say, I can do without the Word of God. Then you won't be saved. Because before Noah ever had an ark to put the first animal on, it was word. It was commandment, and it only became visible and tangible as Noah moved by faith, by faith and prepared that ark. And so we can uh, live in this life without the word of God, and we won't even know how to be saved. But the word, uh, just like it did in Noah's day, is just what we need in this day. If God had never spoke to Noah, he could not prepare for what was coming. If, even though he was righteous, even though he was living his best life for God, if God had never given him the instruction, he's not just going to be saved because of grace. Today people say it's grace plus nothing. I don't need anything else. Just because Jesus died, we'll all be saved. That's not true. If that teaches me anything in this book about uh, Noah's life is that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but it also says that he did everything that God commanded him. Because I said, it, I said this last week, it's still true today. Faith without works is still dead. And the reason that uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord was because he was a man of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, it said, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, he moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Let me tell you something. There is hope in this day. It's going to get worse. It's going to get more wicked. But there will always be help and hope for the church. For anyone that's willing to listen to the Word of God and obey the Word of God, there's going to be hope and help in these last days. God did not leave this righteous man without an answer. God did not leave him without hope. But he told him, build an ark. Build it this long, this high. Do this to the outside. Do this to the inside. This is what you're going to do. Do it just like I said. And the great thing is so, when I say great, it's tremendous in my mind, is that after he gave Noah those instructions, he numbered the days of man for 120 years. And it never says that God ever spoke to Noah one more time during that 120 years until the day it was a time to go into the ark. So Noah just moved by faith. Hey, you know what? If the Bible, if, if they did come and confiscate the Bibles and destroy them all, it can't take what's been put in here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And I have read the Bible through and I've heard it preached through and I've heard enough preaching and read enough and heard enough that, hey, it, they can take the Bible, they can take that printed version, they can take our phones where we couldn't look it up, but you can't take what the Word of God has already done right here because we are born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the Word of God. I have been born again, purchased by His blood, washed in His name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, they can't take my born again experience. They could take my Bible. They can threaten me with prison and say, if you preach it anymore, we'll lock you up. But you can't take the Holy Ghost away. And that gives me hope in this day. Because as long as man is hungry for power, they'll keep pushing and pushing to pass laws to shut us up. They'll pass laws to stop us from preaching what we preach. 
They'll lock the doors of the church. They'll change the commandments of God to fit their lifestyles. They'll do all kinds of things. But let me tell you, you can't change what's been forever settled in heaven. You might can change what they print, but you can't change what God has already established in heaven. And I'm going to tell you that uh, He is coming back, and this world will be like it was in the days of Noah, but that don't need to scare us. We don't have to be afraid because God is always watching over His people. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open to their prayers. God is watching over His people. God's not going to forget about us. I heard Brother Huntley give uh, an equation on Friday night. He said three plus fire equals four. Well, he was talking about the Hebrew boys that went into the fiery furnace. He said before there was a fiery furnace, it was just them three. But as soon as the fire got lit and they, they went into the fire, he said, now it's four. He said, because God will be with you in the fire. Hey, don't you worry about it. He's watching over you. And if this world catches on fire, if this world continues to get, he, God's going to be with his people. You can count on that. He's going to be with his children. So just like it was in the days of Noah, even in the, like it was in the days of Lot, the Bible says that Lot... He was a righteous man, that he vexed his righteous soul daily with the unlawful deeds and the wicked deeds of the people of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. But uh, Abraham began to watch and, and talk to the Lord when he knew that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, if you could just find uh, this many righteous, he started, I think, at 50, and he just keeps going down, 50, 45, 40, just all the way down to 10. And, and the Lord said, if I find 10 righteous, I wouldn't destroy it. But he couldn't even find 10 that would obey the word of God to get out. And he sent the angels of the Lord to Lot and his family. And Lot, his wife and his two daughters uh, were given a word. And Lot tried to persuade his other sons and sons-in-laws, but they thought he was one that was foolish and just mocked him and didn't believe him. And, and then Lot still, oh, the mercy of the Lord is so good, he didn't want to leave. He was there and, and God's trying to save him. And said the angel of the Lord took him by the hand, said God being merciful unto him and drug him, get out of here, and flee to the mountain. It, let me tell you, there is destruction coming in this last day, but God will always have an answer and an escape route for his people. That's why I, you know the scripture tells us that even in our temp- days of temptation, there is no temptation taking us such as common unto man. But God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that we are able to bear it. God is not going to leave us without hope. He's not going to leave us without a lifeline. He's not going to leave us without what we need to get through. But I do not want to sit back and act like I don't have to do anything and just say, oh, God's so good and he's so loving and he is. But let me tell you, it is not his will that any perish. There's some people that say, well, if it's the will of God, it can't never change. That's not true. Because it is not the Lord's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Yet there will still be people lost. So which tells me it's not God's will that people are lost, but people will still be lost because they will not do the things that God commanded. God will never not give somebody a chance. They will all, the Bible says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. But then it also says, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel, and how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Yeah. 
You know what? When God gave Noah the word, this is your way out. Noah was a faithful man. The Bible says that God said, man, he's just. He's perfect man in the land. Uh, he lived for God. He feared God. Didn't even have the law or any of that yet, but had faith in God and lived his life right. But if he had just said, that sure seems like a big job. And if God thought enough of me to just mention it, I'm sure I'll be all right. And he could have sat around and 120 years later, the Lord would have said, today's the day. It's about to start flooding and you got no hope. How shall we escape if we neglect? It's not that we haven't heard. It's not that we haven't read it. It's not that we haven't even experienced. But if we begin to neglect our, our way out, if you start neglecting the exit plan, if you start neglecting what God's laid out in the Scripture for us to be saved, hey, you don't have to lie, cuss, cheat, steal. Oh, no. You don't have to fight, be ugly, do any of that kind of stuff. You can come to church and miss heaven. Hello. God has told us in his word that we have to obey. You can't just believe it. You got to obey it. We've got to live it. The just shall live by faith. You can't just have faith and do nothing with it. You got to live by faith. And we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And let me tell you, there's words that came out of his mouth that went into the pages of this book. And if we neglect them and if we don't obey them, we will be standing around like those people in the days of Noah beating on the door. Don't leave me behind. I don't want to be caught on the wrong side of the door. When Jesus comes back. Well, praise God. But there is hope for us because this day will be. And this, that's the whole message of Noah. It's not just about a flood. It's that what God did when he knew destruction was going to come, when he was ready to wipe out evil and wickedness, he said, I will save my people and I will give them a plan to be saved. And you know what? One of the first things they had was they had Noah. That world had Noah. And Noah didn't keep this to himself. He didn't just say, well, I'm not telling nobody what I'm doing. You can't hide an ark that size. How could you, how could you build that in secret? Where are you going every day, Noah, with all them trees? And, you know, where could he go to build it? He, he couldn't. He, he just built it. People saw it. But Peter described him in 2 Peter 2 and 5 that he was a preacher of righteousness. He said, God spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, but he still brought in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah was there to be an example. It's not the same kind of, of, of preacher that we talk about today, preaching across a pulpit in our church, but it, it, he was a herald of good news. Uh, he was a herald of the answer. He was there when people saw what was going on. He was a, a light, a beacon, just like we're the light of the world in this day, the church is. He was a light in that dark day to show people that something's coming and there is a way out. God did not just intend to save Noah and his family, but that's all that was saved. I believe it could have been nine or 10 or 12 on there if somebody had listened. I believe it could have been a hundred if somebody would have listened, but people did not listen. They would rather serve themselves and, 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 uh, and do what they want to do. And just they said the, the thoughts of their imaginations was to do evil continually, to just do anything uh, else besides live for the Lord. 
there's a, a historian, and I'm sure you've probably read some of his writings from the first century. His name is Flavius Josephus, and he wrote uh, this uh, narrative, uh, I guess, an account of the days of Noah. Of course, he wasn't there, but this was the way it was passed down through Jewish tradition, the ones that did know it and that had read about it and wrote about it uh, over the centuries. They had passed it on. He said that Noah was actually very uneasy at what they did. And being displeased at their conduct, he persuaded them to change their disposition and their acts for the better. But seeing they did not yield to him but were slaves to the wicked pleasures, he was afraid they would kill him together with his wife and children and those that they had married, so he departed out of that land. Now God loved this man for his righteousness, yet he not only condemned those other men for their wickedness, but determined to destroy the whole race of mankind and to make another race that should be pure from wickedness. And cutting short their lives and making the years not so many as they formerly lived, but 120 only, he turned the dry land into sea. Thus were all these men destroyed, but Noah and his family alone was saved, for God suggested to him the following contrivance uh, and way of escape, that he should make an ark and, uh, and build it this uh, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits broad, and 30 cubits high. Accordingly, he entered into that ark and his wife and sons and wives and put into it not only other provisions to support their wants there, but also sent in with the rest of all sorts of living creatures, the male and female, for preservation of their kinds and others of them by sevens. Now this ark had firm walls, a roof, and was braced with cross beams so it could not be in any way drowned or overborne by the violence of the water. And thus was Noah with his family preserved. That's the way that it was handed down from century after century, the story of Noah, how that he did what he could in those days, that he tried to persuade people to change their, their ways and, and to, to serve God and that they might be saved also, but they would not listen. And the Bible said that in the last day there would come a famine in this land, but it would not be of food, but it would be for hearing of the word of God. Yeah, people will not want to hear because if you start quoting Bible, or oh, you're one of them uh, Bible thumpers, you're one of them uh, conservatives, you're one of them, you know, they got all kind of good names for us in this day and time. Uh, you know, a, the word Christian, that label Christian, uh, that we have is not very favorably looked upon in this world today. There's other countries that completely despise it and would kill you if they had the chance just because you say, I'm Christian. And then it's getting to a point in this life, in this day, in this, hour, in this world, in our country, that if they can do it, they will come into your church and shoot your church up and kill you because you're Christian, just because they can do it. And let me tell you, uh, we, we want to be like the Lord. We're going to be Christ-like. But he said, listen, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. It's a sad state of affairs that people would slap away the hand of salvation. But that's what this world is doing today. When God is still offering a way out, people are turning their backs, walking away, spitting in his face even yet today. My Lord, Noah, his life was a brilliant beacon of right living in the midst of oppressive spiritual wickedness and darkness. I'm telling you today, it's not impossible for the church to survive. Maybe people think, well, we're outnumbered. There's so many more in this world that don't love the Lord. It don't matter. 
God can save by many or he can save by few. It ain't up to, he, he, he's proved that in Scripture over and over again, that he could just take a few and defeat. He'd take Samson and give him a jawbone and let him kill thousands. The Bible said heaps upon heaps. He did that one man, did that. And uh, we read about David's mighty men that would kill 300 at a time with one, had one spear, and they fought in a battle and would kill 300 by themselves at one time. That's pretty, pretty good stuff that you feel like, well, how many of y'all? 300, I'll take it. Come on. But when the Lord's on your side, he said, I, that's why David said, I'm not worried about running out in front of Goliath, even though he's been a man of war from his youth. But I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. And, and, and this Philistine's going to be delivered to me just like they were. I will take off his head as well. And guess what? He did it. It wasn't because he was so skillful. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is still a strong tower that the righteous can run into. And the name of the Lord is still the saving name of every soul on this planet. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It will save you and get you ready for eternity. And it will keep you while you're waiting on eternity. Praise God. And so we see that uh, God told Noah what to do, prepare this ark, get in it. And then he sent that flood. And, and people, you know, many times we talk about how the ark saved Noah. It was his obedience that saved him. All, it was a combination of everything. It's by grace through faith are we saved. That's scripture. I believe that. I'm not saying people earned their salvation. But the way of salvation was offered to Noah because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But it only worked because he was obedient to it. Grace by faith are you saved. Yes, Jesus died for everybody, the grace of God. But it don't work unless you obey the gospel and apply the death, burial, and resurrection to your life. And so uh, he, he did that in that day for Noah. said, grace uh, by your faith will save you. But it, it was that water. Because if the ark had just set on dry land, the world would continue he didn't tell him, build the ark so you can just live in it forever. This is going to take you out of this wicked world. I'm going to destroy the wicked world, but I'm going to spare you. But the way I'm t- getting rid of wickedness is with the water. He didn't get rid of the wickedness with the boat. He got rid of the wickedness with the water. You know why we, uh, in this last day, got hope? Because the waterway was for Noah, and the waterway is for the church today. Peter said this, is what, you better listen to what these old men said in the scripture. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven by God. And did Peter ever make mistakes? Sure he did, don't we all? But it didn't change what God gave him. And it didn't change the validity or the truth of what God gave him. It still meant and would accomplish what he said it would. And so in Peter's second letter, he used Noah as an example to demonstrate the certainty of judgment upon false teachers. But he also used it uh, to describe how the flood destroyed ungodliness or water destroyed it, but it didn't just destroy things, it saved things. In 1 Peter 3, 19 through 21, it says, By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was preparing, while the ark was getting ready, God was being long suffering. He was providing time for people. You know, one place 
in the scripture when it talks about the days of Noah, it says, and while the ark was preparing, while, and then the flood came and took them all away. And they didn't know not until that time. But what were they doing while the ark was getting ready? What are people doing today while the church is getting ready? We need to be making our way into the church. I'm not just talking about a building, but I'm talking about the body of Christ. This great church that he has purchased with his blood, uh, that he has uh, saved through his name. Let me tell you, we need to get in the church. But he said in those days while the ark was preparing, it says in that day few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Now you or I, either one, can't change what that says. I can't change that. And now I know there's not a great flood coming to, in this day that because God promised I'll never wipe out the earth in that fashion again. That's why we see the rainbow in the clouds. I know that symbol's been hijacked, but let me tell you, it was at first it was the promise of God that I will not destroy this earth anymore with water. And he said, in that day, those eight souls were saved by water. Well, I thought it was grace, and I thought it was faith. It was all that combined. Because then he went on to say, the like figure and like faction, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a direct relationship between the salvation of Noah's family by water and the significance of water baptism in the church. When people say you don't have to be baptized to be saved, then I guess they have not read that scripture. Or maybe they have not read Jesus, his words in Mark 16 and 16, where he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He said it. That's what he, he taught. And so uh, baptism does not negate faith's role in salvation. It doesn't negate the grace of God because if, if there was no grace of God for us, we wouldn't have to worry about baptism. It would have never been given. Now, the word translated figure in, in that uh, scripture, it indicates that baptism is a fulfillment of what was typified by the role of water in saving Noah's family. In the New Testament, it is the New Testament believer's Faith that prompts him to obedience to the command of Jesus Christ to be baptized. Matthew 28 and 19, Mark 16 and 16, we know that Jesus himself commanded that. He told his disciples to go and preach repentance and remission of sins in my name beginning at Jerusalem. And we know that Peter preached that day when he obeyed what Jesus said. The only way that remission of sins comes, let me tell you this, you won't find any other answer for it in Scripture. The only way that remission of sins comes is through baptism in Jesus' name. It's all through, from the time Jesus said it at the end of the book of Luke, from Acts on, that's where you find it, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. For Peter said, repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38, if you want to put it up, so that nobody thinks I'm just making this up. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is our answer. That is our water escape in this day. If, it, it was like it, if it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah and he was saved by water, then we're going to be saved by water as well, but not just water alone. 
It will take the grace of God. It will take faith in the Scripture, faith in the commandment, faith in God, and obedience to His saving Word. Noah, evidently, he loved God and he feared God, but that wouldn't mean nothing if he didn't obey God. And we can talk about how much we love God, but are we obeying God? Are we serving God? Are we living our life for God? Are we fulfilling what the Scripture says for the church to do? Let me tell you this. Some people love to come up with, well, baptism is just an outward sign of an inward work, just a public testimony of somebody's decision to, to be a Christian. And, and listen, any baptism is a step of faith. But people got to keep moving into truth. But if people say that uh, baptism has no saving effect, that means uh, that any attempt to make baptism an option also ignores that the water from Noah's flood didn't have to be there either. If you say that the baptism waters don't do anything, it's just like saying that the, the flood wasn't necessary either. Well, yeah, you know what? God didn't have to flood the water. He could just took, because he did it. He took Enoch, took him. Well, he could just took Noah and his family and said, come on, let's just get you out of here and I'll just blow everybody up. But that ain't what he did. He gave a man that was righteous and a man that had faith the commandment and, and believed that he would stick to it. And he obeyed that and built that and it was ready. He was like, you know what, Noah was like Paul. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. And now I got an ark to get in that's going to get me out of here. And let me tell you, when we obey the word of God, oh, what a great God to provide a way. It said God was grieved in that day in his heart. He repented him that he made man. I'm sure that he looks on this planet today and he's like, it grieves him the way mankind is living, especially now that he has uh, gave himself and, and, and shed his blood to purchase us and to save us and, and done so much for us to, to get us ready. Oh, that he could if he wanted to just say, you know what? I've been fine by myself. <laughs> Everybody's gone. We'd never know it. It'd just be over with. But instead, God, in his love and his mercy, even in the midst of all this turmoil and wickedness and hate that is spewed toward him, is still providing a way. Every time we wake up with breath in our body, it's another opportunity to see how God is working. Let me tell you, well, oh, life is terrible and life ain't fair. <laughs> At least you're saved. Yeah, this world's awful and this terrible thing that happened and, and, and we might lose jobs and we, and we might have things happen, but you know what? It ain't, that ain't got nothing to do with we're saved. If God has washed your sins away in His name and filled you with His Spirit, don't be talking about what ain't fair. Let me tell you, one day you're getting out of here and you'll be in a place where it won't matter. There'll be no more crying, no more sickness, no more sorrow. We're going to a place someday. So yeah, nobody wants to be treated badly. I get it. Nobody wants trouble and trial. I get it. But it, life is going to happen, but it ain't about fair. Let me tell you, what's awesome is that Jesus has saved me. That Jesus washed me in his blood and filled me with his spirit. And he's still doing that to people today. He is still getting hold of people in this day and hour. Just like it was in the days of Noah, God is still saving people through the water. Yeah, through the water. It still takes baptism in Jesus' name. 
And so if I try to ignore baptism, I might as well ignore the flood. You know, maybe, maybe we get too used to just seeing, you know, uh, Noah's Ark without any flood. So we don't think about it anymore. But, but you see what, what they thought about it, what the Jewish people thought about it. Paul wrote to Timothy in one place. He said, you have known from a child the scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. You know what the flood meant to them? It meant the way out. That was the way God made a way out for his people. Hey, how did he bring uh, Israel out of Egypt? Come on, somebody. (laughs) So they were all baptized in the midst of the Red Sea. Yeah, that's what the scripture says. That's what the Bible says about it. You know what it talks about? Uh, that, that, that enemy that wanted to kill them, that had made slaves of them and is intended on uh, killing them now and, and, or either dragging them back to be slaves. It said the water closed up over them and 600,000 Israelites standing on the banks of the Red Sea looking back. And he said, couldn't see a single Egyptian because the Lord said, those, those, those that are pursuing you said, you won't see them anymore. And he covered them up in the water. You know what happens when you go down in that water in the name of Jesus? That stuff that made you a slave, that stuff that would kill you if it could, that stuff that would keep you in bondage. And you know what the Bible says? That we are raised to walk in the newness of life. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, how do I get into Christ? The book of Galatians said, don't you know that you that have been baptized into Christ, you got no other way to get into him except baptism. You can say, hey, Lord, I love you. That don't get you into Christ. Hey, that gets, maybe that gets his attention when we pray, when we repent. It gets his attention. Heaven starts rejoicing when people repent. But if you're going to get into Christ, into the body of Christ, it's going to come through the water. Woo. Come on, somebody. And that's how Israel got away. They didn't try to run around. They didn't try to build a bridge, but they went through the midst of it and said the water was a wall to them on both sides. They were covered by the water. And friend, when they got to the other side and that sin tried to come back and get them, God said, nope, that's what the water's for. It's to get rid of the ungodly. That's what he did in the days of Noah. That's what he did for Moses and Israel. And that's what he does for us today when we're baptized in Jesus' name. Man, somebody ought to praise God. In the days, in this day, in this last day, there is hope. There's still hope for us. God still loves, you know what? Even though he hates wickedness, he still loves this world. And there's people out there cursing his name and he loves them. There are people doing so wickedly you can't even say it out loud. But he loves them and, and they're murdering people and doing all kinds of things. And he would save them today if they would repent and turn their face to him. There ain't nobody that God would not save if they would just come to him. Because it's not his will that any perish. And I can say repentance is great, but it ain't enough. It's not. The Bible declares it. It's not. It's got to go another step. We repent, which means we turn around. We get away from that life. Maybe that's why in Josephus' story, he said that Noah moved his family away 
from the, that wickedness so he could work on that ark and do the things he needed to do because if I stay here and I keep preaching like this, they're going to kill me. We have to repent and turn around and get away from the life that we once lived. And then we, but yeah, but it could still come get you. If all you do is repent and turn around, it'll chase you. It'll be coming after you. You know what? Repentance will start you on a new path, but until you deal with the sins of the past, the Bible says that water baptism is for the, the sins of our past. So you can, you're starting your future, and you ain't dealt with the past yet. That's what happens with all these New Year's resolutions. They're trying to start their future, but they ain't dealt with their past. But when you're baptized in Jesus' name, uh, not just you, he deals with your past. And the blood of Jesus is applied. And the blood of Jesus washes us from all sin. And then it says, and we are raised up to walk in the newness of life. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not that man anymore. And I can, I can start walking, following him, living a new life with a clear conscience. That's what Peter said. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God because I have obeyed his plan of salvation. But if I have not obeyed the word, how can I have a good conscience toward God? The Bible says there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. How do you get in Christ? Baptism in Jesus' name. That's what, that's what it takes. Now here's, here's something, and I've got to get ready to close. I know i um, got a couple of minutes here. When you read 1 Peter uh, 3 and 21, it reads, if you'll put that back up for me, it says, the like figure to this, even baptism, doth also now save us, not to put in way of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you see, that phrase, not putting away the filth of the flesh and the answer of a good conscience is in parentheses, so actually you need to read it like this. The like figure uh, to this, even baptism, doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What was put in parentheses is an insert there to help us understand more fully but but the scripture should read uh, without that and we would see that baptism saves us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's why Paul would say this in Romans 6 in 3 through 5 know you not that so many of us as were baptized into there you go that's getting into Jesus again into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if, now here's a big if. You ever had anybody do something? You say, well, if this happens, and somebody says, well, that's a big if. Well, here's the biggest if ever. For if we have been planted in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Don't assume that you will simply be in the likeness of his resurrection just because you have believed. He said, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. Well, what's the likeness of his death? Baptism, water baptism. That's why he said, don't you know that many of us were baptized, were baptized into his death? We are buried with him by baptism into death. That's the figure of it. When you are baptized, you are buried in water. And that's what this, that is the symbolism. So the big if is this. I want to be saved. I want to see that great getting up morning. 
I want to I be in that city. I want to make it to Beulah land. I want to walk through those gates, whatever you want to call it. But if you want to be there, then you better know that there's got to be a new life first. And that new life comes through repentance. That's where you die. Repentance is when you die to that old life. What do you do when something dies? You bury it. And when you bury it, uh, uh, the good thing about being buried with him is now you're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection because they put Jesus in the tomb, but he didn't stay there. And we don't hold people down forever in that water. Some we hold a little longer than others. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not right. I'm just kidding. We may feel like we need to, but we don't. It don't take just a quick dunk, and that's it, because the blood of Jesus does the work. But then when we're raised up, we walk in the newness like that. You can say people can remember who you were the moment before you went down in that water, but God has erased it. God has, I've blotted it out. I've washed it away. I've gotten rid of that sin. In his eyes, and it should be in the eyes of everyone else around who believes you start coming up to him and say, well, you know, I'm glad to be in church. But I, you know, I was so bad. You've been baptized, right? I have. Forget about it. He did. You should. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. If it happened before you was baptized, I don't want to know. That way when I see you, I don't have to look at nothing but the new creature I see in front of me. Yeah. Praise God. That is an answer in this day. Still the answer. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached his message and he told the Jewish nation, his people, he said, listen, this same Jesus that you have crucified, he is both Lord and Christ. Now, there's nothing more sacred, valuable, or important, even if it's only through the words of their mouth, to the Jewish people than God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the commandment. And they were to teach that uh, to their uh, kids and, and speak of it when they get up, speak of it when they lay down. They were supposed to, that was their marching orders. So when this Jewish nation hears, you mean we have crucified the Lord? They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? We have no answer for this. There's no way that we can approach God after this. And, and that's the way people feel. I've done so wrong. I've been so bad. I've had so much sin. I've had so many things happen that I, there's no way I can. What do I do? I have no other answer for you except what Peter said to them. He didn't beat around the bush or nothing. He, he knew. He said, listen, here's the answer. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you know what it says? And then that day, with that one answer, that 3,000 people, they that gladly received the word, they were baptized. And that day, it said there were about 3,000 people added to the church. That's incredible. No, no giant Bible studies no end to end. There wasn't no gospels written yet. There wasn't no letters from Paul yet. People were being saved before Romans chapter 10. And they were being saved by baptism in Jesus' name. So for us to try to say, well, I'll just believe what Paul wrote in Romans 10, it wasn't even available when the church was born. 
but they were obeying it because they were calling on the name of the Lord in baptism. Praise God. Let's stand together. It's still the answer for the world today. Brother Huntley preached a message Friday night, and he talked about winning new victories with old weapons. And he talked about how Samson took that jawbone and killed a thousand men, and when he was done, he just threw the jawbone away, threw it over his back, whatever, cast it to the side, and, and then he said, well, I've killed all these, and now I'm going to die of thirst, or I'm going to be so weak the enemy's going to come up to me, and I'm going to fall to the enemy. And out of that jawbone, that old weapon, God let a fountain of water begin to spring forth. And he went and got that old weapon, and he drank from it. He won a new victory with the old weapon. And it's something, it was the water that refreshed him. There ain't no new weapon for getting to heaven in this day. But it's the old weapon of Acts 2.38. It's the old weapon of repentance, baptism, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. That's the new birth. Jesus said this in John 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. How can a man be born again? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? That's what Nicodemus asked. And he said, let me explain it. Except a man be born of water, baptism, and the Spirit in filling the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It takes that new birth experience to get in there. It's still the answer today. So as we see this world, there's no other answer. You know, it's getting darker. It's getting worse. Ain't no new place to look. Ain't no, ain't no TED Talk going to help you. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no, and hey, and they, they may have some good stuff on there, but it ain't your salvation. Ain't no inspirational speaker going to help you. You know what's going? It's still in that book. It's before, before it was ever an ark, it was the word. It became salvation when it was obeyed. The word's there, and when we obey it, it'll save us every time. It still has saving power today. Let's lift our hands and pray together. Jesus, we magnify you in this hour. We praise you today. What a mighty God you are, and so great and wonderful and merciful, so loving and kind to your people today that you would make a way of escape in this last day. Lord, I pray today that our hearts will be ready to not only hear the word, but obey the word. Lord, because if we hear and don't do, we deceive ourselves. Lord, today let us obey what the scripture says. Praise God. Save us, Lord, in this day and hour. Hallelujah. Lord, let us, be, let us be preachers of righteousness in this last day. Let us be a light shining in this last day. Lord, let us do what we need to do in this last day. And we can lead somebody to the water. Hallelujah. Lead them to the water. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, lift your hands and love him for a moment. Just lift your hands and praise Him for a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, mighty God. Yes. Jesus' name. How great is our God. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Sing it to the Lord. How great is our God.
how great Jesus name thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah 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 I'm thankful for the Lord making a way thankful for the Lord thankful for how great God is I can't imagine Noah's mindset when God starts off with the end of all flesh has come before me. 120 years, it's going to be over. They lived a long time back then, so that was like a short life for them. I'm going to bring a flood on the earth. And it, but then God gave them a plan. This was, The water's coming. You obey the word. That water's going to save you. It'll, it'll carry you right out of here. It'll take you away. Sometimes it seems so overwhelming knowing all that's going on, but I'm telling you today there is comfort and peace in God's Word. The Bible says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's why you see the church standing in the midst of trouble because there's great peace when you love that Word. And when you've obeyed and you've got that good conscience toward God, you don't worry so much about what's coming on this world. You know one day you're going to see Him face to face. And what a day that shall be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, whoo, what a day. What a glorious day. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Thankful to Him. Thankful to Him today. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I thank you. I praise you. I give you glory. I give you glory for your word today, Jesus. Thank you. Hey, let's find a place to pray before the next uh, service. Get some water or run to the restroom if you need to. We're going to come back and have a great time in the Lord. God bless you.